This is the Turn on the Jets podcast. I don't have to convince any one of those eight defensive coaches how effed up I am. These players, they want to defend MetLife Stadium for you guys. Now, here's your host, Joe Caparosa. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. Today, I'm joined by two of our writers at Turn on the Jets, Steven Russo and Steven Zant. We got a whole bunch of Stevens on the show today. We're going to do a 20-minute-ish roundtable discussion on Joe Douglas in the New York Jets front office. We, you know, we spend a lot of time ranting about Gase here, a lot of time talking about Darnold. Figured we hit the pause button on some of that today and talk about the Jets front office uh, for the duration of this episode. As a reminder, this podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review there. And if you have not yet, check out our Badland show, which is available on turnonthejets.podbean.com and on Patreon at patreon.com backslash BadlandsToj. That's our weekly ad-free show hosted by myself and Connor Rogers. Last week, we had Tony Pauline on to talk about the Jets head coach situation. Always some interesting insight over there. So make sure you check that out. All right. Without further ado, Let's start talking about Joe Douglas. Stephen R., I'll start with you, then I'll throw it to you, Stephen Z. Joe Douglas has been the Jets' GM. Oh, God, he was hired, what, May of not last year, the year before. So, you know, it, it's still – this is his first technically full season where he had the draft and had free agency. We're six games in. How do you generally feel about Douglas so far to date? Uh, yeah, sure. I think um... – I generally feel confident. I mean, still confident that Joe's the, the, the right man um, for this job and to kind of lead us and, and, and right the ship. Um, I think there's a few good things that you can really point to, um, but also, you know, being as objective as possible, you have to kind of take the good with the bad. So I think overall, um, you know, the draft and what he did with Mekhi Becton, I think uh, you can see that that's, uh, that's a pick and he looks to be the franchise left tackle for, you know, for now and, and moving forward. Um, I think the philosophy that he has and everything that we've heard of building a team, you know, the right way, investing in the right positions, uh, O-line, edge, cornerback, I think you can see that as well. Even with, you know, some of the Quinn and Williams uh, rumored trade, you kind of see that he doesn't value interior DL like uh, prior regimes did. Um, on the flip side, it's hard to take a look at Joe Douglas and not kind of bash him a little bit for what he did with this receiving core. Um, so when you look at, you know, letting Robbie Anderson walk uh, for pennies to bring in Perryman, um, you know, that's a, that's a big swing and a miss. And when you're evaluating a young quarterback like Sam Darnold, you know, that's, uh, that's tough. So uh, I think overall the confidence level is still there. Um, I'm a little, you know, concerned that Gase may still have his ear a little bit more than I'd like. But, uh, but overall, I still feel confident that he's, uh, he's the right man for the job. What do you think, Stephen Z? Yeah, I mean, he definitely echoed a lot of points that I agree with as well. I think Joe definitely has a good eye in terms of scouting talent. My concerns really come in terms of his autonomy. I'm concerned that you know, if and when we do fire Adam Gase, which we all hope happens sooner rather than later, I'm concerned that ownership is not going to give him the full autonomy to hire the next head coach. I mean, you're paying him $3 million a year and you gave him a six-year contract. I think that his job description definitely warrants him to choose the next person to lead this organization. And I'm a little concerned about that. 
I mean, there's definitely some swings and there's definitely some misses. I think really, and I know you were tweeting about this today, Joe, the biggest concern to me is taking James Morgan in the fourth round when he's basically a healthy scratch every week and he's not even close to being relevant to play. And we really need wide receiver help. That's clearly the biggest issue on this team. I mean, you look at a guy like Gabriel Davis, who was taken by Buffalo a few picks after the Jets. He's contributing every week. You hear about him. Similar, similarly, with a guy like Darnell Mooney on the Bears, he's contributing every week, and he was taken a few rounds later. So I'm definitely concerned that he didn't look for areas that we needed to improve quickly, which was pass catching. But overall, I like him as an evaluator. It seems like Becton's a home run. I'm not going to really get on him for, you know, some of the guys who he drafted this year who've been hurt because, you know, you can't really evaluate someone who hasn't been on the field. And a lot of them, with the exception of Bryce Hall, really didn't have any flagging issues from an injury perspective. So you got to give him some time to, to grow and give him some time to play. And hopefully now with some of the sell-offs that we're going to have the deadline, a lot of these young guys are going to play. But you never know with Gase. Yeah, I think – it's hard to fully evaluate him at this point. Obviously it's early in the tenure. I think trying to be as unbiased as possible. I think there's been some positive and there's been some negative and it's going to be hard to fully evaluate his capabilities until he has a better coaching staff. I think we, we talked about it a lot going into this off season where the jets were kind of clearly setting up this year to be like more of an evaluative season rather than I wouldn't, I wouldn't have called it a tanking season. I, I don't honestly think that's what the front office was planning. I think they would try to take a bunch of low cost one year flyers to see if they could put together a decent enough roster to evaluate Sam Darnold and Adam Gase and some of the leftover Mike McCagden picks. I think that process probably didn't work as well as they wanted. They also had to deal with the pandemic and deal with some injuries. And you're seeing basically the full worst case scenario where it looks like Gase regressed, which is crazy, but it actually seems he got even worse. Darnold regressed to an extent how much, you know, I'd say, I think is up for debate. And then a lot of the new bodies they brought in outside of Beckton when he was healthy haven't made a massive positive difference. I think Pierre Desir has been bad. He's been worse than people expected. I think Perryman's been hurt and made less of an impact than they were hoping for. Uh, I think Van Routen's been bad, not, you know, not an upgrade at guard. Uh, I think Fant's been okay. I think he's probably met or mildly exceeded most people's expectations, but that's not making enough of an impact to really change anything. He's also missed time himself. Um, and then you look at – this team banked on Chris Herndon being a big part of the offense. It seems like he's already like fully out of commission right now with how they're running things. Some of his own doing and some of the coaching staff's doing. Uh, Bell's already gone. I think for them to be com- – the thought of them being competitive in any way this year had to involve Bell having a good year, and certainly that's not the case. Um, and then from a draft perspective, Mims is hurt. Uh, you know, Davis and Zaniga have either been hurt or not playing. Uh Obviously, we're not seeing Morgan. We're not seeing Cam Clark yet. We're not seeing Hall until later in the year. So it's kind of just the leftovers from last year's roster and a couple new guys they shuffled in. So uh, I think it's fair to hold Douglas accountable for what they've done at receiver, which has been a total mess. And it's a bad look to see Robbie Anderson doing what he's doing somewhere else. I think the draft class, it's just too early to tell. We we don't know. I, I think... There's, you could certainly make an argument that if Mike McCagnan did that draft class, particularly some of the day two and day three picks, 
we would have been absolutely slaughtering for him for it. And look, he earned that after four years of drafting poorly. I think it's Douglas's first draft. You want to give him the benefit of the doubt. But he drafted some older guys, some guys with injury concerns, and a quarterback in the fourth round. Um, a lot of this is TBD. Maybe some of these middle-round picks break through and actually end up being big contributors long-term. But we don't know because we haven't seen you know, anything from any of those guys yet. So before we, before we talk about where everything kind of goes from here, considering it's very likely or 100% likely that Gase is going to get fired, it's just a matter of when. I want to remind everyone that between the NFL, college ball, and the MLB playoffs, there's no shortage of games to watch. And with thousands of lines available on all your favorite sports and events, you could turn your game day into payday with my bookie. If you're the type of guy who likes to back the big favorites, consider putting in a parlay for a much bigger payout. Not only do parlays make meaningless games exciting, but more importantly, they give you a chance to turn ordinary bets into a real moneymaker. Always bet the first half line for the Jets opponent. little free advice there. And don't forget the underdogs. They have a ton of value. The thing about the NFL is that underdogs are never really dogs on Sunday. Every team truly has a chance to win, and you do too. Game spreads, championship futures, and player prop bets. It's never too late to get in on the action and start turning your sports knowledge into actual cash in your wallet. Sign up at MyBookie, and when you do, use promo code OVERTIME to claim a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to 1000 bucks. It's a bonus designed to give you a little help and a head start on your winning season. That's promo code OVERTIME for you to claim your bonus when you make your deposit. Stacked UFC cards, presidential prop bets, all the major sports, and more. Sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at my bookie. So with Douglas, as it stands now, our hope is that he's going to be very involved or, or leading this head coaching search. I think it's hard to say exactly what's going to shake out because we don't know how ownership is going to shake out. The understanding is that Woody's coming back after the election, regardless of the result. So he's going to be in the mix. How much he's going to be in the mix might not even be up to him. It could depend to on how some of the investigations around him are going and how the league handles it. There's going to be some Johnson in charge. Now, if you look at how the last head coaching search played out, it was initially teed up that McCagnan and Heimerdinger were going to lead the search, but Chris Johnson had the final say. So McCagnan and Heimerdinger, they did all the interviews uh, by all reports. That was kind of a disastrous process, but then Chris Johnson kind of weighed in and made the final call. Unfortunately, I don't know if there's a real expectation that we that's going to change. We have to hope it is, considering how much money they gave Joe Douglas and his front office. If you're Joe Douglas and you're working to recruit a new head coaching candidate here when this franchise is really at like true rock bottom here, what what is your case to do that? And how what kind of candidates? Like I'll throw this to you, Stephen R. First. Like, in your head, where do you see the Jets head coaching search go? Like, what's your rough expectations for the type of candidates that are going to be talking to and be able to land? Yeah, I mean, uh, ultimately, I think, you know, Joe Douglas and, and the way that he was brought up and the, the organization that he came through, I, I got to imagine that he's going to cast a wide net um, and, and take an objective look at everything. However, you know, I think, um, you know, he may go back to that Baltimore well. Um, you know, that's, that's where he has comfort. So if you look at a guy like Wink Martindale, I think you have to, you know, you have to take that into consideration. Um, I think he also has to, you know, the, the rumors about, uh, about them reaching out to Matt Campbell. I mean, I think, you know, a CEO type that's got a history of, of building an organization, you know, a, a program from the ground up, um, 
you know, that's something that uh, that's got to be on the table. I think another, you know, a hot candidate name is always going to be out there is Eric Bieniemy. Um, you know, with his offensive background, uh, as well as, you know, working under Andy Reid, who's a successful uh, coach for, for many years in the NFL. Um, you know, despite not really having Douglas connections, you still have to look at that. So, you know, while I think all options should be on the table, and I think Douglas, you know, for, for all we know about him, is a, is a football guy um, that is, you know, should cast a wide net. Um, I think, you know, the, the Baltimore options uh, are going to be there, but uh, I think the, you know, the common names like Matt Campbell and, and Eric Bieniemy, uh, you know, maybe guys like Brian Dable um, have to be atop that list as well. What do you think, Stephen Z? Yeah, I mean, Stephen R definitely hit on most of the guys that we're probably going to be considering. I just definitely want them to be careful with what they're doing here because we all know that Matt Rule pretty much had the job, but the only issue was he wasn't allowed to pick his staff. So I just want to make sure that, you know, Joe Douglas is giving whoever that they want to hire the full autonomy to pick whoever he wants on the staff. But I also want them to definitely go towards a CEO type versus someone who can just call plays because it just seems like that's usually who people are looking for when they're looking for the next best head coach. But someone who I wrote about on the on TOJ the other day is this is only if he's left free is Anthony Lynn. I just think that, you know, he could be someone who'd be interesting if he were to be let go by the LA chargers. I don't know if it's going to be likely because he's done great work with Herbert, but I just like that. He commands a lot of respect in the locker room. He looks like someone who all the players really look up to because he did play. And I think that definitely stands for something with value for guys in the, in the locker room. But I also just want them to be really creative here. I talked about a guy like Kevin O'Connell. I know that he's pretty young and, you know, he's working under McVay. He may not necessarily be calling the plays, but he's definitely comes from a high pedigree from a coaching perspective. It seemed like he got some looks last year, but I don't know if he got necessarily any interviews, but they say he's really an up-and-comer. I would love for Joe Douglas to think a little bit outside the box versus the obvious candidates. But ultimately, the staff is so important because we've seen what a terrible offensive staff has done to Sam Darnold and really all the players with the exception of Jameson Crowder, who I think is just you know a veteran who's able to thrive no matter what the situation is. And we just really need someone to help this offense actually score points and not get embarrassed every week. Yeah, I think this this process is going to be interesting to see play out. I think Douglas will go into it with more league-wide respect and credibility than McCagnan and Heimerdinger did. That being said, without the number one overall pick, it's going to be a tough thing to sell comparatively to the Falcons and the Texans and other people who are inevitably going to have head coach openings. The number one pick is a game changer. If you if you're if you go to a head coach candidate and say, "Look, we have the first pick in the draft. You can get Trevor Lawrence." Um, he's considered widely to be the best quarterback prospect in a long time. You get him five years on a rookie deal. We also have another first round pick. We have nine total picks this year, next year, the year after that. Um, maybe more to come when they trade. We have a lot of cap space and you kind of have a clean slate to build here around Makai Becton and maybe one or two other pieces. Uh, that I think is a powerful thing. Now, if you have the seventh or eighth pick and it's more of a question mark, what you're going to do at quarterback or you try to, force you know Sam Darnold on your next coach which I don't think they would do that could limit your options a little bit and I again I do think Sam will be a good starter in the NFL in a different situation I just don't think it's probably going to happen here I could be wrong maybe he you know turns it around like crazy these next 10 games and the entire narrative changes it's just really hard to see that happening with only 10 games left in in this season at this point Uh, but part of how the Jets have regularly got themselves into trouble is that this all started way back 
in 2012 when they decided to fire Tannenbaum but not Rex. And their process of getting the GM was that we're only hiring you if you stick with Rex. And because of that, they had to hire their fifth choice, which was John Idzik, who did not work. Then you sort of did the mistimed hirings of McCagnan and Bowles, and you forced them together. And then you did the same mistake. You didn't fire Bowles and McCagnan together. You fired Bowles first, and you had McCagnan lead a head coach search, and that ends up being a disaster for him personally and for the organization as they end up – we know what happened there with with them firing McCagnan. So this could be the first time in a long time where we're fully rid of McCagnan and Gase. You are still going to be – retrofitting a head coach to go with a GM, but this GM didn't hire Gase, so it's not like they were like a marriage together. But you got to hope this is finally the time they get it they get it right <laughs> across the board. Hope that Douglas is the guy, which he still could be. We don't know yet. Uh, and you just find something at head coach that uh, allows this team to be, you know, to be competitive. So before we go, we're 0-6 here. The Jets are – 13-point underdogs at home to Buffalo. They're going to be 22-point underdogs the week after to Kansas City. The week after that, they have New England on Monday night, where I'm assuming they'll be 12 to 13-point underdogs. Then it's the bye week. What What are you guys thinking going into these final three bye week games? How do you see them playing out, and do you think Gase will be fired uh, during or after any of these three games before we wrap? Uh, Stephen R., uh, yeah, so um, I'm actually writing an article about this right now with kind of the rumor mill surrounding Adam Gase uh, and what could potentially happen. And, and you know, I may be considered kind of a conspiracy theorist, but there is a, a probably more of a, a bigger part of me than I'd like to admit that, think that thinks there's a chance that Gase sticks around. Um, however, I do think the most likely scenario is that they lose these next three games uh, by a, a sizable margin, um, which is kind of par for the course at this point uh, and that they go into the bye week um, and they, they, they fire, you know, Gase, Greg and uh, Greg Williams and Dal Loggins. Um, I think that's the most likely scenario. I think um, just judging by Gase's history and, and really you can kind of see it with the number of carries that Frank Gore has gotten. I think uh, clearly his offense doesn't work and clearly he's adamantly against, uh, you know, playing some of the younger players from a, to provide, you know, Joe Douglas, uh, anything from an evaluation standpoint. Um, so I think as they go into the bye, it'll uh, allow them that extra time, that flexibility to figure out what they're going to do from a coaching staff to kind of line up those last seven games uh, for a real evaluation of, uh, you know, both Darnold, because um, they're going to need that, you know, from a trade standpoint, if they really are in line for the number one pick, which it seems like they are, um, you know, as well as playing some of the younger guys and getting a look at guys like Denzel Mims and Michael P. Ryan and, uh, and even Cam Clark, if he can crack, you know, crack the lineup at all. But um, that's really, I think, the most likely scenario. I know there's a lot of rumors out there, but uh, I think, you know, going into the bye week is, is probably what we're looking at for Gase being, uh, being let go. What do you think, Stephen Z? So I hope Stephen R's theory is correct. I mean, I do anticipate them getting blown out the next three games. I mean, you don't know if it's going to be Darnold or Flacco. It seems like Sam's trending in the right direction, but honestly, just hold him out till he's healthy. The one thing that you got to keep in mind, besides obviously the results of the game, is what they do at the deadline. If they sell off a lot of parts, you know, like Henry Anderson, if someone will take that contract, Avery Williamson, maybe even Crowder, who probably has the most value on the team for someone who can contribute right away because Quentin Williams isn't really going to, you know, make or break anyone's roster right now. I think if they sell off a lot of parts, you know, Gase can maybe sell to ownership. I deserve the rest of the season. And, you know, we haven't really seen the Johnsons fire anyone in season before. So, 
it can't be ruled out that he finishes the season, especially if they're just completely on track for the number one pick. And it just seems like they're accepting this. They're probably looking at Trevor Lawrence very closely right now. But I think if they saw off a lot of parts, it could definitely be the rest of the season, which is really painful because you ultimately want to get a head start on the coaching search, which the Texans and also the Falcons are already doing. And, you know, getting there first is definitely huge. And we know that the Jets typically don't get the benefit of the doubt from candidates. They usually have to pay, overpay, especially for free agents like a jet tax, because nobody wants to come here and they'll just take our money. But yeah, it's just, it's really contingent on a couple things, but I think he's going to be here the rest of the year. Yeah. Look, I, I honestly don't know. I, I've, I feel like I hear a different theory every week and um, there's parts of me that think that if they get blown out by Buffalo, they'll fall, they'll fire him after this game. There's parts of me that think they'll just wait to the bye week. And there's parts of me that just think, They'll just wait to the end of the year because they want to get the first overall pick and kind of what difference does it make? I'm curious to see what else happens before the deadline, but the Jets are a tough organization to predict what they're going to do. Uh, they also don't generally always do things in the most like logical way in terms from a timing perspective. You know, I think we can definitely see something just kind of like pop out of nowhere when we least expect it. So it's uh it's hard to say. It's hard to predict. Uh, I, I, originally thought there was a 0% chance that he'd get fired in season. I think there's probably like a 50-ish percent chance that that happens now. Um, But we'll see. We'll see. So, look, we appreciate everyone staying with us. We're going to have some more of these roundtable conversations here on the TOJ pod uh, throughout the rest of the season as we run the clock to what should be a very, very interesting and exciting offseason. You could follow – Stephen R on Twitter at Stephen Russo nine and his writing on turn on the jets.com. You could follow Stephen Z on Twitter at S Zance and his writing on turn on the jets.com. Thank you guys for joining us. And uh, we will be back next week with a new episode.